You're listening to Fox on the Wire Podcast. Well, good evening, folks, and welcome to episode number 84 of Fox on the Wire. I'm sorry, it's been a few months since our last episode. Uh, I guess I've been a busy boy playing lots of music and uh, there just hasn't been a lot of spare time going around for a a proper episode of the podcast. So I've put it on hiatus, but we're back tonight with one of our favourite guests, Jörg from Germany. Welcome, Jörg. How's everybody doing? Thank you for having me. Funnily enough, you were... um, the guest on the last episode that we did uh, about Metallica's 72 seasons. So, um, yeah, nice to see you again. Um, (laughs) It's been, yeah, been a couple of months since I've done an episode, so it's good to be back behind the mic and uh, talking Metallica again with you. Uh, We've been talking about this for a little while and um, I think we might have even mentioned it uh, during our Mm -hmm. last episode of 72 seasons Mm -hmm. about doing... An episode on the twentieth anniversary of Metallica's Saint Anger album. So uh, here we are. Where do we start? Yeah. Three um, months late. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> better late than never. You know, uh, absolutely, absolutely. It's actually given me a few months to um, re-familiarise myself with Saint Anger because you know when it came out. Um, I think I was about twenty years old back in two thousand and three. Uh, I was writing music with my, I think it was my first band, you know, the heavy riffs, the drop C stuff. So when this came out, um, yeah, it was because Metallica weren't sort of into the drop C stuff before Sananga, I don't think. Um, no. The only that? thing that, that was, well, the only three songs that were down-tuned, so to speak, were Sepa True, oh, yeah. the, the Signature of B, That's the which, one they, which, they have pli- uh, which they have played live for ages in uh, C-sharp standard. Oh. Um, and the, the Minus Human on S&M. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's, what was that in? Uh, what tuning uh, is? Drops, drop C-sharp. Drop C. Yeah, so when when they dropped in anger, it, it was quite quite a different sounding album to say the least. And um, you know, I was sort of familiar with some of the tunings, and um, yeah, it was quite different for Metallica. Um, and yeah, like I was right into it at the time that it came out. Um, and then I, I don't know, I, I don't think I listened oh, to it for a long time. Sorry, I forgot to mention. Um, there was also the thing that. Not not the thing that's gonna be. Um the got it failed, but it was a half step half step flat. Mm. So it's E flat. And mm. um and they they uh I know the house jack built on load, one is E flat and the other one is uh, drop C sharp as well. Right. Um but on Saint Anger there were two there are two songs which are tuned lower than drop C. And um I don't think they had they have anything done in drop C or, you know, lower than D standard on, um, on a record. Not yeah. as far as I know. Somebody might correct me, um, but I don't, I don't think so. So, yeah, I, I pretty much didn't listen to this album 
for quite a long time, I must admit. Mm. Um, I guess, <clears throat> you know, um, Sinanga, the song itself, I would probably listen mm. to because of the music video. I always love that music video. So, you know, yeah. going down my drunken YouTube rabbit holes, um, you know, I'd stumble across St. Anger, the song and the, the video. But the rest of the album, I um, almost forgot about, you know, for the most part. So when I started listening to it again after we mentioned about doing this episode, I'm like, oh, wow, this is just, you know, it was fresh all over again. And because um, I'd been listening to 72 seasons after our last mm. episode and because it's a new album, you know, this was quite quite different so do you remember when this album came out uh did you did you get it straight away were you into it straight yes. away yeah yes yes um I th- if i remember correctly i bought the day it came out mm. and uh was listening to it and i was like wow that's a strange direction yeah but <laughs> uh up to that point, I only knew about, you know, Jason left the band and I really didn't know about the, the complex uh, situation they had back at the time. And um, so it was just the music and I was just, whoa, strange direction. Mm. I didn't understand it. Why? <clears throat> and after that, with the documentary and everything, so oh, now it makes sense. It, that album took took a while to to fully understand it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, two thousand three. I was also twenty years old, <clears throat> um, almost before I went to the forces in that year. And um, but I listened to it the whole through summer, and I, and I loved it, even though it went that different direction. Yeah, it's a high energy album. In uh, I mean, yes, we can discuss really discuss about the sound and production, um, which is another topic. But the songs itself and the energy you get from it, listening to it, it's. Uh, Amazing, I think. Yeah. Like, like I was saying before I, we sort of hit record, you know, I have got tons of notes on this song because there's stuff about the album itself and then there's a lot of things that sort of surround the album and the, the lead up to it. So I guess let's just go through it and um, sure. we'll see where it takes us. But, yeah, Sinanga was released on June 5th, 2003. Now, it was recorded between April 2001 and early 2003. Uh, Recording began in April of 2001, but was postponed after James entered rehab for alcoholism and various other addictions. And then I think recording resumed back in May of 2020, sorry, May 2002. So, uh, yeah, a lot of that was documented in um, the movie documentary some kind of monster um which i'm sure most people have seen maybe not for a little while that was another thing that i watched when it came out and then Mm. had a few years in between um now this was uh produced by bob rock 
was the band's eighth studio album and their last that was released through Elektra Records. And uh, it was also the last collaboration they had with Bob Rock, uh, who they'd worked with since uh, 1990. So just off topic a little bit here, do you, do you see the band working with Bob Rock again in the future? Do you, do you imagine that they would? No. No. I mean, I, I personally would love to see it again. Mm. Um, nothing bad against uh, Greg Fiddleman. He's, they're, they're actually uh, actually now a um, producer, and, um, which I also saw in, in Hamburg. He was there as well. Um, <clears throat> because I think he, he, uh, he does the, the live mixes before they publish uh, things. Um, personally, I would love to see them again with Bob Rock. Um, but again, there was a different time and different gear used for recordings and software, tons of stuff. But, um, I think Bob Rock just knew how to make them sonically great, Mm. how to make them sound great in a mix. For me, I, I guess, I think I, I, uh, I said in our last episode, for me, the best production Metallica albums for me, and this is very subjective, is uh, Master of Puppets, Black Album, Load, and Garage Inc. And three yep. of those are Bob Rock. So he just knew. And I, I think he, all, he also said that, said that to them, you never captured your your energy and your sound live on the record after the Justice tour. Yeah, so, he went he went to see them on that tour before he oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think before he even took the job for the next yeah. album, which would be the Black album. And uh, exactly, yeah, it's quite a difference between Justice and Black, and it's only what two years, or two or th- well three years since the release. Justice was eighty eight, I think. Mm. And then Black was ninety one, so it's a short period of time, but a big a big jump in sound, and mm. I think that was due to Bob Rock. So, I mean, yeah. we don't have to talk about production and anger. This was supposed to sound like it, like it does, mm-hmm. and they wanted it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they. I read it somewhere somewhere in, a, in an interview, in some paper. They wanted to sound raw, like a, like a band that just came together and record it in a garage and it surely does sound like that yep forget the snare okay forget the snare but the production i guess it's uh some kind of what they wanted it to sound like yeah which is uh... which is also very strange if you listen to the uh, the first records mm. um but again different time um, different mindset, especially. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of it's got that harsh sort of sound on purpose, kind of like mm. for me, like Subhuman Race by Skid Row. You know, after Slave mm. to the Grind, they released that. That was really harsh and rough. And even um, Alice in Chains' self-titled album in '95, like that was quite harsh and and rough. You know, they don't sound the same, but it's kind of that same idea. Or um, the first record. Kill them all. 
Sorry, corn. which one? The, oh, the corn. corn right. the, the first one, album. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's a great one. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess my general thoughts on Sananga before we dive into it. It's definitely not my favourite album, but I think it's definitely a necessary album for the band. And if you watch that doco, you'll see why. And it's probably mm-hmm. why probably why we've still got Metallica today. You know, if they didn't have that album and go through what they went through, exactly. I don't think we would still have them today. So for that reason alone, I'm grateful. Um, and, it, yeah, it was very interesting going back and listening to this album. So... Um, it was also interesting to sort of have a bit of a look at the musical landscape at the time that this an- this album came out, like see what else was coming out. So a couple of other albums that were released that year uh, before Sananga came out, you had Radiohead's Hail to the Thief, White Stripes Elephant, um, Linkin Park, Meteora, uh, Dragon Force had their debut album, Valley of the Damned, Evanescence debut album, Fallen. Godsmack Faceless. Uh, My Opeth. favorite of them. Oh, yeah. Opeth Damnation, Lamb of God as Palaces Burn. So, you know, and we'd sort of been through that new metal phase, I guess. Uh, and I think didn't Sananga have a bit of a tag of a new metal sort of genre as well? Didn't it get a bit of a new metal tag? Probably. Hmm. But it it may also have something to do with um, no solos on the record, Mm. which the majority of this, I guess, new metal genre has, Mm. um, beside Godsmack. Uh, Godsmack surely does play solos. Mm. Um, But I... Uh, I don't hear solo in 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 corn evanescence on that debut album. I I don't remember, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but the the thing is, um, no solos on a complete Metallica record is a hard pill to swallow. Mm. <laughs> and I and I understand the the people who are bashing the the record because there are no solos you're used to it Mm. you're used to to listen to a metallica song and it does have a solo Mm. i only can think of i don't know maybe two or three more songs where they have no solos uh mama said for example Mm. um uh, a low man's lyric, but a complete record? Mm. Wow. Yeah, barely a, a lead break or even a, a lead part, you know, and that's, and that's sort of one of the questions I wrote down. It's like if you sort of tune out and just listen to the album, do you almost forget about Kirk altogether? <laughs> like it's, it's very much a James Hetfield sort of album, I guess. Um, and you almost sort of forget Kirk is on there as there's no lead breaks or solos, as you said. I guess he he made um, uh, some parts different than James. Mm. 
um, and he uh, like like they did on load and reload. Um, he uh, recorded some some things that were um, that were were in a solo, obviously, but um, maybe helped the song to. I forgot the word. Sorry, man. Um, that served the song in a different way, mm. like a different harmony line here and there, or um, some no, more notes to to a to a specific chord. And if you watch the, the DVD um, where uh, Rob Trujillo is included, um, you can see and hear that uh, Kirk does some things differently than James, mm -hmm. which added some more spiciness to the song. Mm. And I watched the, the DVD yesterday to be uh, a bit prepared for the day. Uh, I was thinking, wow, what a high energy album. Yeah, I um, sort of picked up on that too. And I, I didn't realize at the time it came out how much. So uh, I think particularly in James's vocals, um, mm. what, in one area, you know, he sort of pushed his vocals I think more on that album maybe than, you know, he sort of got out of his comfort growl zone, you know, he let his voice break at times and uh, even though it may not have been technically correct or in pitch or, you know, mm. his voice broke it, they sort of left it in there because it worked. Um, and, yeah, he sort of approached some of the vocal a little bit different in some of the songs. I thought, oh, yeah. Yeah. So you could tell that he really was trying to get something out during that that album. And, again, if you watch the doco, you'll see why. But um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, very expressive vocal, which he always is, but I think even more so on this album. Mm. Well, yeah. Um, you can hear it in, in the first song, Frantic, just mm. tick, 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 tock. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, wow, I, I have never heard James like this before on a record. Yeah. Um, they were all fired up. Mm. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. Mm. I, I just, I just um, thinking of yesterday when I watched the DVD and I was like, damn, amazing. <laughs> That's just wow. And I was sitting there and like, damn it. Now imagine playing this album straight <laughs> live. Yeah. Did, did they ever do that? No. Like the whole, no. No. <clears throat> they they uh, didn't even play all songs. Mm. Most of the time they play Frantics and Anger. Uh, lastly, they play uh, Dirty Window. Mm. Um, but they play here and there back um, um, like Sweet Amber. Um, the unnamed feeling, but they never played all within my hands. This version live, mm. the uh, the acoustic version that came out a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, yeah right. Which is also great, but um, I learned all within my hands that the album version. Damn, my arm was tired after two minutes. 
It's I crazy. Saw, <laughs> I saw you recently posted, it might have been today actually, Sweet Amber. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. yeah. That was, uh, what, what sort of tuning is that one in? You'll be more That's familiar than I'm. Yeah. That's drop C, yeah. Um, the unnamed feeling is way low. But I think um, James and Kirk are tuned differently on that song. Uh-huh. Also, Invisible Kid. Invisible Kid is, what is the Invisible Kid? Drop C sharp? I think that's the one I was going to ask Maybe. you about. Yeah, because that sounded I, lower than... I think it uh, was drop G sharp. And yeah. the unnamed feeling is drop A sharp, maybe. Mm. It's fun to play, and it sounds amazing, especially yeah. on, on on a baritone. Um, on that baritone, it has a different vibe vibe to it. Um, but the majority of the songs on Saint Anger are in drop C. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frantic Saint Anger. Um, oh no, I think uh, Dirty Windows uh, drop C sharp. Um, my world. That's a fun song to play. They're all fun to play. It's just some of them are not really difficult. Difficult by any means. It's the most difficult thing is um, the endurance in the picking hand. Mm. Like like on the fast ones, like disposable heroes, like battery, like puppets, <laughs> uh, plugins. It's the endurance of your picking hand. Yeah, yeah. I was trying puppets earlier today, and I'm like, because if you don't play that for a couple of weeks, it's you know it's not gone, but it's almost gone. You got to build it back up again. That's just some of those songs are just insane. And until you try and play them, play along with them, you don't realize because you watch Hetfield play and he's singing like it looks it looks effortless. So for someone who's mm-hmm. not a musician, you got no idea how much uh, talent and skill is going on there and to sing as well oh, like yeah. he does. Like he's just an absolute machine. So, yeah, just incredible. Um, well, let's let's jump off Sananga for a second because mm. um, uh, you got to see Metallica fairly recently in Germany. Mm. So do you feel like giving us a bit of a, <coughs> excuse me, bit of a review of the show and uh, – Few highlights. Uh, well, for me personally, um, the highlight has been standing front row on James's side twice. Um, well, my girl and I we went to uh, to Hamburg, and um, even though we had um, we were there pretty early. Uh, because the first show, I really wanted to be a uh, front row, which I haven't been in my life uh, at a Metallica show, I think, um, even though I have to seen them a couple of times. Um, yeah, we were there and uh, standing front row. I even got the chance to, to fist bump him. Um, um, other people got their cigars with them, <laughs> which he, which which James lighted up. Um, um, I well, what what else can I say? It was great. I mean, um, um, it wasn't the first time for me seeing them or hearing them with their fractals live. I mean, I had the opportunity to be in San Francisco at the 40th uh, anniversary show. Oh, that's um, cool. 
which uh, were um, with uh, were, were done with uh, fractals. Um, I've seen them um, with uh, tube amps on the San Angel tour, for example. Um, um, it's of course it's different, but the the whole production with the the rounded stage is also pretty unique, especially with the uh, with the PA. So sometimes I I didn't even really hear Kirk. Mm. Um, I mean, you always can hear Lars, especially when he's playing near you. Um, you hear his double bass and especially his snare uh, because he he still attacks the drum set pretty hard. Um, the lightning show was really unbelievable. And if you see pictures online uh, with the, the towers they have um, and you see the rounded stage and then the lightnings come up, it looks amazing. Um, I guess um, to have a really good sonic sonically good experience i guess you have to be in a, on a seating area in the in the first seatings um but it was great we were there i'm, I'm a part of um of a saint uh, of a metallica fan club here in germany which is called saint germany um i guess you can see the cowboy head there. oh yeah it's yep. a green one uh we recently had a had like a, a like a St. Germany party, um, an anniversary, 20 years, um, was great. And um, we were there, I don't know, like 60 people or something. And in the second night, uh, most of them were in the snake pit and it looked, it looked amazing. Yeah. All the screen, uh, uh, we are wearing uh, uh, the color green. Uh, and all, you can see in the pit all these green t-shirts looked amazing um, but I was standing like I said in the front row with my girl and um, to see also to to come to the idea um, playing two nights with a complete different set list really cool really cool even though they played the majority of their you know most famous songs um don't I don't want to bash uh, nothing as matters or something, but it's quite nice not to hear nothing as matters on <laughs> one of these nights, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or entertainment on one of these nights. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um well quite surprised the, the new songs they play, they 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 fit really good actually. Um I hope they they will play in Morada later on that tour. Um, we really love to to hear that. Um, but so far, the songs they have played, they fit really good in their in their set songs of, of choice. Yeah, yeah. What else would you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> um... I mean, that's what the, it was a full weekend of Metallica. I mean, uh, we arrived on. Uh, Thursday evening, Friday was the first show. Uh, Saturday was like, you know, a little bit of sightseeing. Sunday, uh, Sunday was the second show, and Monday back, back home. Yeah, um, it was great. 
it was just an absolute great experience, especially to be this close to his guitars, to his setup, to see what his guitar tech Chad is doing during the songs and and Mm -hmm. stuff. And, and every time James was around, there was a big space where only a few people were allowed to come in this zone beside Chad. Um, the local securities, they made room. So there were like only three people in this inner circle when James was around, and he was one of this one of those people. And Chad, the old security guy, sometimes Ross Halfen came came through or uh another tech. But other than that, only few people were allowed to be in this closer area to James when he was down there between songs. Yeah. That was quite quite interesting to see. And um when he was sitting there between songs and the intertain came intertake for something came up and he was sitting there drinking his tea, lighting lighting up his, his cigar again, um just to be focused in the moment. And you can see, you can you can see that um, that they give everything at these shows. I mean, he was after the show; he was quite exhausted. Yeah, I mean, they're not just getting up there having a bit of a strum, are they? Like they're pumping out no. hard music, vocally and guitar playing, and of course the drumming, and you know, in their long shows. Uh, yeah, some of that footage that's been going around the internet, seeing sort of James and the others, you know, uh, just off stage there, having the cigar, taking his shirt off, uh, you know, high-fiving fans, lighting cigars. You know, it's really cool to see, and it's cool that they've done that, obviously, for the fans, you know, to give them a, a more of oh, an yeah. idea. Yeah, like, you know, it's it just shows how much they love their fans and how much they appreciate their fans. You know, still after all this time and probably even more oh, yeah. than ever. I mean, yeah, I mean, the reason why I wanted to ask your review, we haven't seen them down here in Australia for a little while. Um, mm. They would do, I think, just before the pandemic, if I remember correctly. Is that about when James went back into rehab for a little bit? I think they had a tour mm. booked. Mm. Yeah, and then it got cancelled. So, uh, yeah, we're we're hanging to get them back down here pretty soon i hope um especially after seeing a lot of these shows overseas and uh even some of the supports that they're bringing along like pantera uh mammoth uh who did you have on the as supports for your shows that you went to um it should have been five minute death punch on one night but they had to cancel because yeah. of, uh, I think, uh, Ivan Moody, he had a um, surgery on his, uh, what is it called in English? Um, I don't know. Um, he had a surgery, and um, because of that, they weren't able to play. But for that band, was a change, um, the, symph- I guess, symphonic metal band, uh, Epica. Okay. I don't know if you know them. No. Okay. Um, Ice Nine Kills. 
äh, Epica. Oh, Mammoth. Yeah. Ähm, ja, Wolfgang Van Halen, Mammoth. Yeah. Yeah. Ähm, which was sounding really good. Yeah. And I highly, highly recommend um, this album. Both, actually. Um, the second, I just just came out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Or uh, or um, a single just came out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, Iceland Hills was also really good. Epica wasn't familiar with it because it's not my style of metal. I'm not really into symphonic, you know. Um, but it sounded really good. Mm -hmm. um, was the fourth band? I really have to look that up now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Ah, it's all good. Yeah, like Mammoth. I'm become a real big fan of um, Mammoth. Wolfgang. Mammoth so, sound really good. Yeah, like he's such a. What can you say? Like such a good dude, like such a really humble sort of guy. Like he's an actual Van Halen. I mean, but, you know, he's so talented and so down to earth. You know, you watch him in interviews like the one with Ola or, uh, you know, there's a few going around and he's just he's just a, a good guy to follow. I just I really enjoy what he's up to and, um, you know, he really puts the work in and I think he's a bit of yeah. a, a perfectionist. He said, and he so, uh, and he uh, um, he recorded all instruments in yeah. the studio by himself. Yeah. Yep. So I just looked it up, and uh, so the first night was Architects in Mammoth, and Architects sounded really nice. And I was one of the last shows with uh, Josh Middleton. Uh, shortly after that, he left. He left uh, Architects just to be for uh, what is Silosis, I think it's called. Yeah. Okay. Was great. Was great. Yeah. It's it's um um one thing I have to say is though I th I think that the the circle stage the round stage is a big is a a bit too big. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, I I really enjoyed it. Not only to see uh, Metallica, obviously, but also the other bands. That they were sounding really good. They, uh, um, they had fun on stage, which you can clearly see um, when you were there. Um, and to just to be part of that whole whole thing was quite quite overwhelming. Mm. And I'm. I'm I'm thinking about going to Munich next year. So okay. but I want to do vacation next year. So that might intervene with my timeline. Cool. And do you think that they got the I mean it's probably hard to get it wrong, but do you think they got the mix of the set list pretty pretty good, like for the two different nights? Was it a pretty good mix? I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um I mean I just I just have have the settle stop. Um, I mean, the state they, they started the first night. Uh, yes, with creeping death. Come on, man, it's a wow. classic. <laughs> How's that for an <laughs> opener? The picking hands uh, already in motion. I mean, to play that yeah. one is a yeah. That reminded me a lot of um, you know Black Album Tour. Mm. They opened a lot of the shows with creeping death mm. or uh, Sandman and then creeping death, and then. 
um, problems, I think, sometimes into uh, puppets, I think. Mm. Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, but Creeping Death, Harvester of Sorrow, that's always great. Personally, I love, like, on the um, Seattle 89, Creeping Death and the Informed the Beltals. Mm. That's great. Mm. But after that, Leopard Messiah. Come on. The three classics, amazing. Mm. And the next song was Until It Sleeps. And then the first song, uh, the first uh, new song came, uh, 72 Seasons. Uh, if Darkness Had a Son, mm-hmm. both songs. So that that was, they fit really good, I must say. So beside Send Anger, every album was played. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And also, no reload. Sorry. Not even Fuel? No, not on that night. Uh. I think. Um, a few was on the second night. Uh, and memory remains. Do they, are they still playing that? Um, not on this show. Ah, okay. But come, uh, look. Imagine you you are in the business for forty years. You are like 60 years old you're playing creeping death sorrow <laughs> leper messiah until it sleeps 70 seasons if darkness had a sun welcome home yeah. you must burn then there's a i i, I guess it's uh, maybe they are doing this to uh, protect james's voice then it comes an instrumental call of tudor mm-hmm. unforgiven wherever i may wrong and the last four songs Moth into Flame, Battery, Whiskey Nijara, One, and to Sandman. Come on. Mm. And people still bash Lars Ulrich. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. The, the second, of... night, second night was almost the same. The last four or five songs, The Day It Never Comes, Plackened, Fuel, Seek and Destroy, and Mass of Puppets. Uh-huh. Come on. Very cool, man. So many songs. I mean, it'd be so, even doing two different set lists on two different nights, it'd still be hard for a band like that to get, you know, everything on the set list that they'd want to play, I'd imagine, you know. So. But but now now that I see the set list, um, James had a small technical issue with his in-ear monitors, I think it was, um, because he missed singing this, uh, the second verse of Harvest of Song. Ah. It was just instruments right. because of his in-ear. I guess he couldn't hear himself quite properly or maybe something else, um, but that um, didn't matter. They killed it. Yep. It was great. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see it again. Yep. So you get maybe, the fist. Yep. Oh yeah, twice. Yeah, yeah. Twice. Did you take? Did you take some of that energy in through the fist? I just. Um, <laughs> uh, he was standing there, you know, adjusting himself, and I took the opportunity 
yeah. looked like uh, left and right and stuck my fist out and he was like, oh yeah. Sweet. Nice. <laughs> he's looking good, man. Like he's looking, he's looking healthy and uh, he's looking lean. Oh uh, yeah. Sounds great. What a machine. What an absolute machine. Um, what, uh, what picks, did you get to see what sort of picks he's using? Or do you know what sort of picks he uses? Gauge wise? White things. White things. 1.14. His, oh, his, okay. his signature pick. Yeah, uh, this one. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Which I didn't catch, but I caught other picks. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, does, they're typical promo picks then. Does we, Kirk still use the... Uh, does Kirk still use the green Tortex? Uh, he's um, still using his um, Jazz 3 signature picks. Oh, uh, yep. Um, wait. Which you can buy separately uh, or in a tin box like uh, like this one. Yep. And this is one of the picks and this is the his normal Jazz 3 pick and with a cutout oh. for crypt for himself. I don't, I don't. It looks um, small. Is that small? That's that's a regular Jazz 3. Mm. And, and, and for that tour um, he has a, a yellow one. They haven't played Tortex picks in, I don't know, years. Oh. What gauge does Kirk use? What is the Jazz 3? 1.3, I think. Sure. Mm. Well, I caught different, you know, the typical city picks, you know, yeah. uh, with the different uh, logos on it. Cool. Um, Oh, there it is, the other one, and uh, in plague of the second night. Yeah. But with the same print on the backside, the same robots, or what it is. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Did you get to see the floor, like, in front of James? Like, has he got any pedals in front of him? I don't... He doesn't usually... Um, no. Uh, well... Uh, kind of, yes. Um, there's a control pedal, um, like a pedal. It's not a pedal board. It's a, it's a, what is it called? The company is called RGM and the product is called Mastermind, which comes in different sizes with, uh, with uh, different um, or more knobs on it to, uh, to switch, to have the ability to more, to switch more um to have more functions yeah and um his rig consisted of um three fractals like like on the rest kirk has three uh rob has three can, and, can you um, explain what you mean by that for people who don't um may not sure know? um well basically what fractal is yeah Okay, a fractal is um, is an um, electronical device. It's a, it's a so-called modeler. Mm. So with a fractal, you have the ability or the possibility to have uh, different amps 
modeled in a digital world, so to speak. It's like um, download a plugin for your computer. So there are different um, companies out there, like Neural DSP, for example, uh, which uh, which model like the, the most famous Mesa Boogie two C two C plus two C plus plus, which you can install on your computer. And the fractal is is a separate unit, and you have um, I don't know like three hundred amps in that, including uh, base amps, uh, two base amps I think, uh, Ampeg, SVT. Whatever. So, and with this, you can. You, there are also um, different effects, you know, like uh, chorus, uh, de- delay, reverb, uh, um, you name it. Yeah. Every, every, every effect you can imagine, like Univibe and all that stuff. And you can you create like a like a signal path, like. Um, Guitar input into the device, and then you you choose an uh, amp, a cabinet. There are also different cabinets in that unit, and you can create with these different parameters. I think um, you can call it uh, different sounds, mm-hmm. and you need a control pedal for fast switching. Which Chad does for James and Justin does for uh, Kirk, and um, that was quite interesting to see. Um, even though you can change from clean to crunch or he- to heavy sound on the fractal, um, they still do it like analog. Uh, the, there's a one fractal for clean sounds and the other fractal for heavy sounds. The third fractal is just a backup, so they switch. Like a good example is until it sleeps, which starts with a clean sound, yeah. and and to switch from uh, from clean to heavy, you push the button on this uh, RGM mastermind, and the switches the device to the heavy sound. So uh, quite interesting. Well, yeah. and no cabinets, whether on stage or. Under the stage or somewhere else, the sound is uh, directly put through the PA through the front of house. Yeah. Now, did you see the latest interview? Well, yeah, latest interview with Kirk Hammett talking with yes. Rick Beato. Yeah. So he yes. was talking about this, wasn't he? In that, um, and just saying it's a bit more reliable for them doing it this way rather than using actual amps, mm. you know, different, mm. you know, the amps are traveling and uh, going into different weather zones and, you know, different venues. So it's a bit more of a consistent sound this way, uh, which was quite interesting. So if anyone out there hasn't seen that interview with Kirk and Rick Beato, check it out. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really, really good interview. I'd love to see him sit down with James too, you know. Um, ah, but yeah, probably Kirk, not going to happen. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> probably not going to happen. No. Nah, but Kirk, like he's oh, I mean, he's so enthusiastic, you know, still even more, more so than ever. So, uh, yeah, really great the th- interview. The thing is, though, 
Um, even though a band like Metallica could afford to uh, to transport the old system, which with uh, you know their different amps and cabinets they had, to go on that digital route is quite interesting. Yeah, I mean bands like uh, I mean, did you see the Rick Rundown for uh, ACDC a couple no. years back? No, um, the it's almost like Ingvi Malmsteen. You know, he has like 18, 18 amps on stage, <laughs> and um, Angus Young has like I, I think it was like twelve amps backstage mm -hmm. for different sounds. It's amazing. They have a one guy is specifically just taking care of these amps. It's amazing. <laughs> um, and again, I'm not bashing Metallica for doing anything um, sound related. If they want to have or less problems with less gear, it's fine. Mm. I'm totally okay with it. I'm not there to say, oh, that doesn't sound like. I don't know, 1988 when Justice came out or something. It's a, that's a complete different discussion. Yep. I mean, yes, they kind of, they could afford to take their older system with them. But if you look what, what they have to do to keep, to, to maintain the same sound every night with six different amps i mean if you if you look at an old system of james uh starting at saint anger era uh he still had the four mesa boogie triaxes um one clean one uh one uh heavy sound the other two were backups for each device and then he had two diesel vh4s all of this were tube amps plus the power amp for the Mesa Boogies, also tubes. That's a complete different uh, workflow for maintaining the same quality every night. Mm. Complete, completely different workaround. And they want to minimize uh, potential potential um, failures for devices. Which is okay. I think there is a video floating around on YouTube. I think I was watching it a couple of weeks ago with James's tech and Kirk's tech about their rig rundown. I don't know if it was for this latest tour or uh, another. I think it was an, a previous tour. You've probably seen it too. Um, but yeah, they sort of go through the the rig rundown. It's probably different now, but. Um, that was quite interesting, you know, and they go through the guitars in the Oh yeah. You know, the truckster and stuff like that. Uh, which was really it's really cool to see all that stuff. A lot of it goes over my head, admittedly, you know, all the <laughs> plugins in the bloody the the gear the rack gear and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. But uh yeah, it's cool how they do that and just sort of show us what's going on. But uh if this works for them this way, then who are we to argue? I'm, I'm sure it sounded great still. It did. It yeah. did. It did. It's just... Yep. Uh, they... 
they have a different EQ setting nowadays, I think. So with this more higher mids, you can hear it on the Deathmagnetic, you can hear it on Hardwired, you can hear it on 70 Seasons still. Um, but again, um, they they tuned up since Deathmagnetic. They, they, uh, they tuned up to E standard again, but live they play in E flat. Uh, oh yeah, there comes it. Dream No More is also in D standard on hardware. Okay. And uh, All Night My Long is in drop D. Yeah. Um, this also, this this tuning up also has an, an effect on the EQ settings or the, mm. the sound you have with the, with the same EQ. Um, it sounds different, of course, because you're playing with a higher pitch. Again, that's a completely different discussion. Yeah. Maybe let's go back to sending it. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. So as I as I mentioned, you know, there was a lot surrounding this album. And a big one of those things was uh Jason Newstead leaving Metallica after mm. what what was it, fifteen years, eighteen years or Almost, something? Almost uh, fifteen, fourteen, fifteen years, yeah. So you know, Bob Rock played bass on Sananga for the recording. Um, mm. Yeah, Jason left the band prior to the recording sessions because um, he wanted to, was it that he wanted to sort of take a hiatus from Metallica for a year or so and go and do his thing with his side project band, um, uh, Echo Brain? Um, and then... Um. Yeah, I don't think James liked the idea of that or something, and so he, so Jason left. Basically, long story short, from what I understand. Well, if I remember correctly, he said um, it would be good to take a year off to take care of themselves, whether it was a, a neck injury, shoulder injury, to to cut back some supplements um, and coming back stronger than before. And maybe that idea wasn't really the one that um, management had in mind. Also, James wanted to have a more creative output, which he really had in Metallica. Yeah. Um, and I guess James and Lars, or especially James, didn't understand it because, uh, as he said himself also uh, a couple of years ago in an interview, now he understands it. Uh, also, Lars said it. Now they understand the, the creative output he had in Metallica wasn't that big. Um, even though, like, for example, My Friend of Misery. Jason wanted to uh, to have my friend of music like an uh, instrumental, but they made a, a real song out of it with 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 the lyrics, and I love that song. Yeah, I I, I totally do. Um, even though I still wish they should have performed it on their Plague album tour with Jason, but again, different topic. Um, yes, and um, because he felt like he couldn't have his creativity fulfilled 
completely fulfilled in Metallica, he needed some sort of different output, like Echo Prime, yeah. like his uh, punk band he he does for ages, um, Chop House Band, I think it's called. Um, and that wasn't respected. So he left. Which I understand. Yeah. Still sad to see after after almost 50 years together, they you might think there would be more communication. Yeah. Or uh, uh, a different degree of respect for each other. Unfortunately, he left. Whether it was good or bad, but I think this, uh, yeah, this led to to the whole project, some kind of monster, I should say. Because of that, they they almost broke up. They had to look at themselves to to see what kind of problem they have, and um, and I totally agree with your with uh, what you said when we started this conversation here, um, I also think even though it is not a it is still an under, under, underappreciated record, it's probably one of the most important records. Yeah. Without this, there wouldn't be no death magnetic, there wouldn't be no hardware, and especially no 72 seasons. There wouldn't be no Metallica today. Mm -hmm. I really think that. Some people might say, well, for me, Metallica died after Just Four or after Black Album. Yeah. Yeah. It's still good music for me. Absolutely. I mean, you can't, if they'd have stayed the same and kept releasing releasing justice sounding albums they probably wouldn't be here today like they would have just i don't know that might be possible who knows but you know they i don't think they've been afraid to to take different steps whether it's with the symphony uh whether it's you know load and reload um you know there's definitely a few missteps in there but they're all important part parts of the journey and we've still mm. got them today otherwise we might not and uh i guess looking back at some kind of monster if uh if jason had sort of stuck around and maybe not bailed i don't know if i could see him making it through you know with the therapist and uh some of those little tiffs that james and mm. lars had in the studio i don't think jason would have taken that as well as maybe what kirk did um yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know i don't know I mean, it, it's, it's complete speculation yeah um maybe uh if he hadn't left maybe they would broke up yeah you don't know you don't know you don't know and then of course uh rob trujillo came into the band after the recording uh, and he's still in the band, and he's the longest-serving bass player in Metallica. So he is, and he uh, uh, wait, 
uh, with uh, what is it like almost 20 years or 20 years now and uh, yeah. three records three studio records yeah yeah well we don't talk about Lulu. oh yeah <laughs> well rob's been awesome in in metallica i think and um i saw last week or the week before or something that um metallica brought along rob's old band suicidal tendencies uh as a support act uh, didn't rob jump up for a few songs with them which was oh, yeah. really cool yeah playing along with the song yeah incredible man like and then you know of course uh Pantera joining Metallica as a support. Uh, you know, Zach played with Rob back in the day, or Rob played with that Zach, I should say. So you know, yeah, it's a, with the with the Aussie. Yeah, and uh, Black. Uh, yeah, he played with Black Label. Black Label Society. You're right. Yeah. Forgot about yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, he's on that DVD um, where the yeah, crowd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. The crowd drank all the all the booze at the bar or something. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, amazing. But again, um, I love Sand Anger. It's a it's a complete different record, but it has its highlights. Yeah. Um, we don't have to talk about the production. I guess it's what they wanted. Yep. I think it's what they wanted to sound like. I mean, today, when they play Frantic or St. Anger, Kirk adds a solo here and there. He does. But it's quite interesting to see. Um, I have seen them, like, over, I don't know, 12, 13 times over the years. And every time they were playing something off of Load or Reload or even St. Anger, most people go nuts. They hear James saying, give me fuel, give me fire, and then the yeah. fire comes up and they start playing the fuel. People go nuts. Yeah. And these are the same people, or not not everyone, but the majority of them are the same people who say, oh, these are not Metallica records. This doesn't <laughs> sound like Metallica. Yeah. Well, I guess they do if you go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone's got an opinion, don't they? Everyone. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> should we quickly go through the, the track listing? Sure. sure. Um, so, yeah, it starts off with Frantic, uh, probably the perfect opener. Uh, that was also the second single released off the album uh, in September of 2003, September 15th, actually, which was, well, yesterday for me, um, you know, 20 years ago. So... Uh, what's the lyric? My lifestyle determines my death style. You know, lyrics like that. There's there's tons of lyrics on this album like that that are quite awesome. I, I guess, lack of a better word. Uh, and you know, tells of James's struggles and trying to get himself through these tough times and finding himself well, and that sort of thing. That that line is actually written by Kirk. No shit. I didn't know. Oh, yeah, hmm. it's uh, it's um, you can you can see that scene in the documentary 
Right. And, uh, it's also really cool, actually. I um, this this makes this album also special because um, everyone contributed some things, whether it was uh, drum parts, guitar parts, or lyrics. And they were sitting in their control room and um, we're just throwing around ideas. Everyone was writing something, and this line was actually written by Kurt. He was sitting there, and this was uh, my lifestyle determines my death style. Ah. And uh, you can see and hear Lars's reaction as he was laughing and said, that's a great line. It <laughs> is a great line. It is. Yeah. And you, can, you can see it in the, in the documentary. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, next up, we've got the, the title track, San Anger, uh, which was the first single. I think they released that on June 23rd. 23rd. Uh, what I like, well... It's a good song, I reckon. It's probably probably my favorite off the album, I guess. Uh, but also the the most the one I'm most familiar with. But I really like the video, which was filmed at San Quentin State Prison in California, mm. and that was also Rob's first Metallica music video. Um, and it's quite a long song too, seven minutes twenty one. It is. Yeah. Um... I was also surprised yesterday <laughs> when I was watching this DVD again. I said, oh, man, some of these songs are long. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, personally, I prefer the, the radio edit of St. Anger. They, sh- they shortened the, the middle part a bit. Um, I guess for me, it sounds more rounded than yeah. um, it's not too long. But still. Yeah. Imagine playing this song live in front of thousands of people, and then like seven minutes. Yeah. God damn. Have you seen this? Have you seen them play this song live on any of yes. the tours? Yeah. Yes, uh, on the uh, where was it? Mannheim a couple years ago was the uh, Hardwire tour. Okay. Open air, amazing. Yeah. Standing there, dun, 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 dun. people go went nuts again. Yeah. Same people. It's a it's a pretty sick song, but yeah, I think a lot of these songs could have benefited maybe being a little bit shorter. Uh, Agree, but, but um, yeah, I think that's a really cool song, cool riff, and uh, I actually think the the drums and the uh, the snare sound really cool on that song in particular. I think it really works on that song. Um, Track three is some kind of monster. Eight minutes twenty five. <laughs> well, because it's uh, instrumentally so long. Yeah, uh, the, a long, a typical long intro for Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it isn't, uh, if it isn't a minute, it's not an intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, I, um, but yeah, it's uh, a lot of these songs are uh, instrumentally long and i agree some of them could benefit if they were shortened at certain bars mm-hmm. agree on that one it's uh funny with the the clean intro with this song you can actually hear Lars's snare rattling in the background <laughs> yes which is yes. Uh, adds to the rawness of the album i guess um oh yeah i like it i like it and if you watch the dvd uh, the snare sound from Lars on that audio is amazing and fits so 
good to these songs. Now, is that the um, where they played live in that in their studio? in the HQ in the HQ? Yeah, yeah. 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 Is yeah. that is that a DVD as part of the album? Did yes, it come with a yes. bonus DVD. Yeah, okay. Yes, gotcha. I haven't yes. watched that for. That's the that's the edition I bought yep. when it came out and watched it. And I was like, damn, yep. wow! And like, and it also shows live these songs work better than on the uh, recording. Mm. But life is a different mix than on a record. Yep. I think I've yeah. got to watch that again. I haven't watched that probably since it came out, I reckon. Like, because I, I got the CD and the DVD when it came out. You and, should. Uh, yeah, I should. I, I've watched the movie. I think I forgot that it had the DVD attached to it. So, because um, <laughs> when I listen to the album now, it's on Spotify. You know, I listen on Spotify, I don't pull out the CD. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I I try to watch um, videos uh, for research on how to play songs. Uh, small details that makes a difference on how to play a song. Yeah. Uh, I try to watch as much videos as I can, whether it is in a studio, whether it's a making of or live videos. Um, I mean, you know, if you play guitar, you can play an E on five, six different positions on a guitar. It's the same note, but it has a different timbre. Yeah. You know? So I try to play as close as possible. Uh, but that's that's why my research time is immense instead of playing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, next song is Dirty Window, which is... Uh, a song they play more and more recently. And that's cool. Yeah, it sort of grew on me as I was listening to this in the last few weeks. Uh, lots of changes in the song. It's a little bit shorter, mm. just five minutes, 24. Uh, I like the bit where it slows down to uh, I'm judge and I'm jury and I'm execution. Oh, yeah. I thought that's kind of a cool little part they added in there. It's a nice little change. Uh, so yeah, that definitely grew on me that song actually. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is. Yep. And uh, number five, Invisible Kid, eight minutes thirty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's an intro. <laughs> yeah. Now the it's uh, really down tuned. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about because to me it sounded lower than Drop C, but I don't know. It is. It is yeah. so much lower. Yeah. I think I said it before. I think it's in a, it's a drop sheet chart. Yeah. Okay. I'm not, I'm not sure right now, but I think it is. Almost sounds like I don't know. Drop drop B. Let me have a look. Visible uh, kid. Good old Google. Let's have a look. Uh, yeah, it's drop C sharp. Drop C sharp. G. Oh, G sharp. Oh. Oh, yeah. Shit, so. Yeah, okay. That's pretty low. But, yeah, it sounds, you can hear it straight away. Even amongst all the other songs on the album, that sounds even lower. So. Mm. Yeah. Um. 
it's okay that song i guess not one of my favorites but what do you think yeah maybe i could skip that one yeah Well, I like I like the flow of it. Uh, look at Invisible Kid, never see what he did. I like the flow of it, but um, I don't I don't really like the middle part. This ooh, yes. That's usually the part when it comes to oh yeah, now skip. Yep. Yeah. It's still, I like I like the flow of it. Uh, Lost also really working the drums there. Um, but yeah, usually I guess I, I skip this. Yeah, it depends on my mood. Sometimes I like, oh yeah, let's let let it roll. But then it's a no something else now. Uh, number six, my world. That's a bigger one. Yep. That's a banger. Ah, uh, oh, yes, that is that's a cool <laughs> riff. Really groovy sort of riff. Uh now what what is the lyric there? It goes, It's my world, you can have it. It's my it's world. My... It's, sucker. You know, it's sucker or suck it. Because I looked at the lyrics and one page said suck it. I'm like, nah, I think it's, oh, sucker. it's sucker. Yeah, it sounds like sucker. It's sucker. Yeah. It's um, my word, mother. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> 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 There's a cool lyric in that song, too, that I never picked up on. Uh, what is it? Who's in charge of my head today? Dancing devils in angels' way. Just little lyrics like that are really cool, I think. Um, yeah. I think, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I think Hetfield's lyrics get overlooked a bit sometimes. Um, they certainly do, especially during these um, underappreciated records like Low Read on Serenga. Yep. Um, still, people don't want to really listen to it or started listening because they got maybe older, think differently, and give it another chance and realize then, oh, these songs and these lyrics are really deep. Yep. I mean, some some lyrics on load are. I I said it in our latest podcast. Um, lyrics on load are really deep and heavy, and some of the some of the songs uh, here on Saint Anger, it's, it's the same thing. Hetfield's a real a real guy. Like he's a real dude. Like he's uh, a real artist, a real person. A deep person, talented, but I guess because he's a good singer, great guitarist, great singer, great guitarist, I should say. I guess, yeah, people maybe don't quite make it to his lyrics as such and sort of pick them apart like we would with some other bands, you know. But mm. uh, just my observation. Um, number seven, Shoot Me Again. Uh, seven Spons minutes song. to play. It's yeah. a fun song to play, but also could benefit from the shortening uh, yep. certain parts in there, especially the middle part. This uh, den, 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 you know, that's long. You know, yeah. But I'm just a fan. I don't have an opinion. 
I like um he, he does that uh, the speaking voice sort of verse. Oh yeah, uh, which I think we mentioned on the last episode about seventy two seasons. Like he's got such a cool speaking voice when he does that, um, and yeah, he does it in that song. So, uh, sweet amber number eight in about. Five and a half minutes, which uh, you posted on your Riff Madness Instagram today. Go and check it out, folks. Get your dose of uh, heavy riffs. <laughs> um, that song actually grew on me. I didn't. I didn't realize. Sweet that, yeah, was played yeah. once live, right? Uh, almost twenty years ago. And that's it, as far as you know. That that song. Um, um, that song, or well, the lyrics of that song, especially, uh, were written during the recording process, which uh, makes it quite unique, I think. Yeah. Because it's uh, wash your back so you won't step mine. It's like <laughs> um, you ask me for a favor, and if I don't help you out on that one, you might. Uh, suck me up, you know. Mm. Um, it's like uh, uh, that's uh, that's really life. That's life situation. Get in bed with your own kind. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I kind of realized today. I was out walking and I had this album going and I'm I'm kind of like, mm. I think this is one of those albums that I almost like the second half of it more than the first half, I realised. Because mm. mm-hmm. uh, next up you've got The Unnamed Feeling, which is a great song. Uh, oh, yeah. Seven-minute seven song. Uh, now, this was the third single released on the album, I think, and I think it was exclusively in Australia that I read. I didn't look too much into it, but so I don't know if it was released worldwide as the third single or just in Australia. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, that's a quite quite an underrated song, and I'd forgotten all about it to be honest. But um, yeah, it's probably one of my favourites on the album. Also, really interesting is uh, I think. Edward Norton, you know, the kid who played, or the, the actor who played um, uh, John in The Terminator 2, oh, yeah. had an appearance in that video. Did he really? Um, yeah, John Connor, so the, the actor who played the character John Connor. Yeah, yeah. What's his name? Uh, Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong, yeah, yeah, not Edward Norton. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Edward Furlong. I think he had an appearance in that video. Same with uh, I don't know if you know the series uh, NCIS. No, do you know NCIS? Yeah, yeah. I don't um, watch it, but yeah, the the actress uh, who played the forensic uh, genius uh, also had an appearance in that video. Oh, uh, Abby, I think it's, uh, the character is called. I'm, I'm not really sure. Cool. But I love that song. I love this song. It's so much fun to play. Especially uh, interesting is uh, I think that the song is mainly in like uh, C sharp 
because you, you play it most of the time in the second fret, but in the chorus and um and then the unnamed feeling uh it goes lower to this uh drop a sharp that's that's so cool yeah i don't remember the video i'm gonna have to check that out i don't think i've seen it to be honest i probably have but i can't remember it you probably have yeah uh purify number 10 about five minutes it's not bad a couple of little vocal things that i'm not into but uh Yeah, tear yeah. it down, strip the layers off my turpentine. All mm. paint, all looks. Yeah, I like that song. Um, hasn't been played live. Uh, but um, I like I like the groove behind it, especially with the guitars. There's a there's this, there's groove to it which I love, and uh, it's I think it's also an, an overlooked song. Yeah, and because all these songs are so fast, like, I think if you played some of them a bit slower, you'd pick up on the groove a lot more. <laughs> but you know, it's probably Italian, so. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I you know, also the way uh, James uh, on the whole record actually, and this song also, um, the way he spits out these lyrics. Mm. With this, with this syncopation, is a tear it down, strip the layers of my turpentine. It's he spits these lyrics out like a, like a, like a rage teenager. Mm. Yeah, like I said, he definitely had something to get out on this album. Um, oh yeah, as with every album, but you know, this is a different time period, as you'll. See in the documentary, but um, yeah, you can hear him really digging deep, getting this shit out. Um, and then the the finisher is uh, all within my hands, about eight, uh, just under nine minutes. Uh, which is also the name of Metallica's foundation, which I wanted to sort mm-hmm. of touch on. Um, all within my hands is Metallica's foundation, which is dedicated to creating sustainable communities by supporting workforce education, the fight against hunger, and other critical local services. Um, And just stepping away from the song for a minute, you might have seen recently uh, Metallica launched the world's first ever guitar-shaped ice cream bar based on James Hetfield's ESP Truckster to raise money for the foundation. So that's pretty cool. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite yeah. hilarious, eh? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Why not? Uh, um, so, but if you look at the lyrics, um, uh, love is control. I'll die, I'll die if I let go. Yeah. It sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. The way he uh, handled the situation with uh, with Jason. Yeah. I mean, James is a. It's not wrong to say that because he said it himself. He's a control freak. Yeah. Um, and the way he, he handled the situation with uh, 
with Jason, he he cannot get get um, behind the idea to uh, that Jason would play in a different band and it has a um, like like uh, shows with a different band other than Metallica and so love is control and he cannot let go. Yeah. So maybe I'm misunderstanding misunderstanding these lyrics, but this is the the first thing that comes to mind when I, re when I read this. And that's uh, is that the song where at the end of it it's kill kill yeah. kill kill yes kill. <laughs> yes, which again is a bit uh, not Hetfield like or not what. Well, in my opinion, anyway, it's uh, a little bit out of character, but I could be wrong. You might think different, but uh, just that sort of approach to the vocal and to the song. I don't know. It's a little bit bit outfield, but I could be wrong. We could all wrong. We could all uh, be wrong on uh, this topic. But that's the beauty of um, of reading lyrics and uh, the way yeah. you you think you understand it. And uh, I think the most of these lyrics are usable for different situations, which makes it, which makes it more, uh, I should say, mainstream friendly. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people can relate to a lot of them in their own way, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, like all good lyrics, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that's why people relate to Hetfield in general, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. He's got yeah, his struggles. So. Got his struggles like we all do, and um, oh, yeah, yeah. different ways. But uh, so yeah, that takes us to the end of uh, Saint Anger. Uh, like I said, very interesting. Looking back and listening again after a little while for me, uh, I've probably got more appreciation for it now. I certainly do, even though I I um, started to to love it pretty much early on. Um, it was also the first time I I saw Metallica live that was on that tour in uh, two thousand four with uh, oh should can I say this band? I don't know. It's uh, Lost Prophets, right? Oh. Uh, with the the singer who was sentenced uh, with uh, as a as a pedophile, mm. you know, um, and um, Slipknot was on that show too, or on that tour, at least in yep. Germany. Um, that was interesting, Bill, of bands, but it, it especially with Slipknot and. Uh, uh, Metallica on that night that was quite unique I would I should say yeah and it was a lot of fun it was the first time Metallica and it was crazy it's crazy actually although yeah, that's <laughs> years later I got the good leg <laughs> and it sounded oh, nice. terrible <laughs> <laughs> oh sounded really so sounded terrible <laughs> sounded so bad oh no <laughs> uh, but I don't remember it to sound that bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, that's another thing that i um came across when i was sort of doing a bit of research for this album because I, I think the 
The album got a bit of a new metal tag, not exclusively, but sort of uh, that was part of it. And uh, it was around that time. And then I sort of looked at the tour. They had uh, was the the 2003 Summer Sanitarium tour. And oh yeah, supports with uh, Biscuit. Yeah, Deftones Born. and Lincoln Park and Mudvayne, which are all new yeah. metal. So, uh, and then of course the one that you saw was uh, Godsmack. Lost Profits and Slipknot. Yeah. I mean, you could say because of the way they tuned their guitars and the majority of these songs could play chord-wise with one finger is some sort of like labeled as new metal because yeah. most of these bands uh, that came out um, had just dropped tuned guitars that could play most of these chords with one finger, even though Deftones, the first, I think, two or three records were like E, E flat, and then D, you know, in standard, you know, um, E standard, E flat standard, D standard, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, Linkin Park had a drop tuning. Uh, Godsmack had certainly a drop tuning. Yeah. And all of them were mo- around that time, besides, uh, no, Limbisky was in, he was playing the seventh string, but had two high C sharp strings. Uh, he said it, Wes Wallen said it in an interview. Um, so the majority of his songs were in C sharp. But Corn, um, we all know, seven strings down tune the whole step, so it's A. Um, it has a certain kind of flavor to it, maybe, but it's not a new metal record for me. Beside, I don't like the term new metal, yeah. but that's that's something different. I mean, the music evolved. Is this uh, when you say, uh, what is it? Is it uh, Led Zeppelin, the new rock, new rock and roll beside Beatles or Rolling Stones? Mm. Is uh, Black Sabbath new rock and roll? I don't like the term new metal. It's very hard to stick things into a specific genre, uh, especially yeah. as time goes on too. You know, things things change, and uh, yeah. But uh, I think that's. I think the fact that there was no solos on the album too, it mm-hmm. leaned more towards that. But yeah, it's still Metallica but, at the end of the day. But when you listen to these songs, yeah. When I listen to um, The Unnamed Feeling, for example, I don't hear a solo in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not every song needs to have a solo just to have an ego filled of one part of the band, you know? I mean, a solo is maybe a, a percent of a song. A solo doesn't make a song. A song doesn't make a solo. Yeah. Um, it could add to the song, like for example, The Unforgiven. It sets it up. But the, a song doesn't need to have a solo just for the curse to have a solo in it. Even if it is Kirk Hammett playing it. <laughs> I mean, Pantera, there are certain Pantera songs who don't, which don't have a solo and they yeah. don't need to have it. Well, actually, one possibly my favorite Pantera song, War Nerve, 
that doesn't actually have a solo in it. And you know what? I didn't even realize until I think I was speaking with Attila and he mentioned it, I think. And uh, I'm like, oh, that's this can't be my favorite song anymore. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Dimebag, you know, his solos are, are my favorite. And uh, I've picked a song that doesn't have a bloody Dimebag solo in it. But um, no, there's something about that the darkness of that song and that album in particular that get me. But, uh, yeah, it's like Led Zeppelin with, uh, with John Bonham. Whoa, what's, what song is it? Uh, War Nerve, the second track on uh, the Great Southern Tranquil. Oh, War Nerve, okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, Altila is a great guy and he, he definitely nails these solos. I just watched yesterday uh, how we're standing in his kitchen and playing the solo to walk. So, damn it. Yeah. And his tone is like spot on. I need yeah. I need to talk to him how he how he did that. I need to yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, he's just guy. oh he's he's insane. Like you watch his man, he just and he studies it like he did uh uh Primal Concrete Sledge from yeah, yeah, the yeah. two thousand Ozfest. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. I watched it too yesterday. Uh, I was like he was sitting there and said, Damn, well, first off, he has a culprit that I need to watch my language. <laughs> uh, the, this guy has a freaking culprit, which is really hard to get. And uh, then he has the nerve to nail this tone yeah. from this show. Oh, man, I need to talk to him. Yeah. Oh, man, he's all over it. I love watching his videos. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. He's a great shout guy. Out. So shout out, shout out to you, Attila. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, hoping to get him back on here um, pretty soon to talk about some more Pantera stuff. So, uh, oh, yeah, can't wait for that one. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be able to reach out to guys like yourself and Attila, you know, on the other side of the world. And uh, that's what this doing this podcast has allowed me to do. So, it's uh, I'm definitely well, grateful where, for that. Where's he come from? Is he, isn't he from what, Belgium? No, uh, Hungary. Belgium. Uh, Hungary. It's yeah. not too far away from me. Yeah, it's a long way from me. <laughs> so long, long way. <laughs> Have you uh, but, yeah. ever you ever been to Australia at all? No, no, no. Any pl- any plans? And, and when, uh, I would love to, but every time I see a picture from some big spider up in a, in a corner on the wall in a room, I was like, nope. Nope, kill it with fire, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> man, me too. I hate spiders, and uh, I I grew up in a part just, of Melbourne that had big spiders. So, dude, I was watching a, a video on Instagram a couple of days ago, and I was like, "Hmm, what's this? Oh, that's <laughs> nice AI created." And it was moving its legs. Like, I don't have small hands. You know, but I don't have big ass hands like Paul Gilbert, but it it still is like you know, uh, twenty centimeters, and it, that thing was bigger than my hand. I was like, <laughs> nope, 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 no, nope. burn it, Get, burn the house down, dude, fire in the hole, man. Yeah, nope. <laughs> I hear, I hear, and I, and you have everything <laughs> in Australia. You have. Uh, Killer snakes, you have cro- uh, alligators, crocodiles, and you have snakes, and it's like, nope, no, nope. yep. and scorpions, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. But I, would, but I would love to see Australia, just to be, uh, just to standing in Sydney in front of this uh, uh, theatre, I think it is, 
uh, it's like, oh, damn, looks beautiful here. The uh, the Opera House? Opera House, yes. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, but um, but it's it's also really hot down there, and yeah. I'm not made for these high temperatures, to be honest. Right. Yeah, it can get pretty hot. Um, I think uh, we had the nickname for a long time the the sunburnt country or the sunburnt land or something like that. Mm. Uh, yeah, it can get pretty hot, but uh, <laughs> it does get cold too. So we get a nice mix of all all seasons. Uh, but I'm definitely glad that it's starting to warm up now. We're in spring now, so I'm a little bit happier in spring. Winter gets a bit Love. tough for me. So Love is a long-ass flight. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Absolutely. We were flying to San Francisco like 11 hours, and I was like, no, man. And I, I cannot sleep while, while being on the plane. I cannot yeah. sleep. So I was up like... When we were flying, starting early in the morning from Frankfurt, you know, sun goes up, sitting in the plane, sun goes down, moon, sun goes up, and then landing in San Francisco, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and I haven't slept a minute in it. So I was tired AF. Yeah. And then you have to be awake for the rest of the day just to get, to, to, to try to have a, um, a regular day-to-day routine, you know. Yep. But then, it, then it hits you like in three or four p.m. <laughs> yeah, I cannot sleep on a plane. So that flight to uh, a flight to uh, Australia or New Zealand that would not be good for me. No, it's a, it's a. I mean, I'd love to come to Germany and to Europe, but uh, I flew to America about fifteen years ago. Okay. And uh, it wasn't great. I didn't enjoy the, the <laughs> flight at all. And same as you, I couldn't sleep. Um, you know, I'm a bit claustrophobic, so I'm no good on the plane. Oh, okay. Was, okay. It was awful. And then actually, I kind of got used to it flying from LA to Seattle uh, and sort of around the, the West Coast there a little bit. And then we had a rough flight from LA to Vegas. Like it was only a 40 minute flight and it was fucking turbulence the whole way and that's screwed me up again so uh yeah so i'm not really a fan of aeroplanes i must say <laughs> so i don't think i'll i may not make it to germany unfortunately oh <laughs> we'll see but i tell you i'd rather be on the plane than on the ship yes yep i don't like only have blue around me no nah. no nah, i'm the same I hear. Yeah. <sighs> cool. Well, that is Sananga. Anything else you want to say about the album before we uh, wrap up? Um, I think people who skip this record uh, because people tell them to skip this record because it's a Metallica record, don't listen to these guys. Yeah. Um, Watch a documentary. Um, inform yourself around that topic, how this album was created. Yeah. Listen to it and then make up your mind. I think it's really important to watch the doc- documentary Some Kind of Monster and to have the, 
the knowledge behind this, how this record came to be, to fully understand it, how these songs sound the way they are. Um, that's my my suggestion. Suggestion. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I think it's important. Um, other than that, give this album a chance. Um, weekly, I read comments from people as so, so I was giving Send Anger another chance, and uh, now it grew on me. Yeah. Same with Load and Reload. So sometimes time will tell. But I guess in this case, knowledge is more important. Why this record sounds the way it is. Yeah, like I said at the start, there's a lot surrounding this uh, record, and it's a big chapter. Oh yeah, a chapter of Metallica. You know, you had the Napster thing. You had Jason leaving the band. James with going the, through his struggles. With Lars being right on that one. Yeah, and you know that's sort of come to light fairly recently, I think, that, well, people have admitted that anyway, you know, that he was uh, that he was right and he stuck to his guns with that. Uh, but, yeah, big, big part of Metallica's, it was, well, it was 20 years ago, so it's halfway through their career and now we're 20 years later mm. and they're still going. So, but, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, like you said, load and reload, like they were my first two albums that I was introduced to, and I went backwards from there. I still love those albums, Load mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, Sananga's definitely grown on me coming back to it after a few years, you know, researching for this uh, episode. And, um, well, I have to admit, it's not my go to record. Yeah. Or it it doesn't, I don't listen to it as much as I probably should as a Metallica fan. Um, But I don't say it's not a Metallica record. Um, You know what I mean? It's, yeah. uh, Yeah. um, Still, some of the songs are really fun to play and I I love them. And uh, um, it certainly helped. Me also a lot to uh, understand some certain parts of my life. Um, well, not being an alcoholic or a drug addict or something, but I guess uh, this album helped me a lot with uh, with private life uh, because of the family losses and and stuff. Um, um, but this, uh, like like I said before, this album is uh, a really important part of their not only musical lives, as you said, also their private life, but mm. James misses uh, his son's first birthday. Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess, wasn't Lars uh, getting divorced or maybe, I don't know. Um, uh, Jason thing and uh, the, maybe we could say the me- mental trauma losing Cliff that's still yeah. rumbling in the head all these years later. And the, the the tension they maybe had uh, because of Jason's not fulfilled uh, uh, outlet. Um, and after that record, Death Mahalia came out. So 
this album had to be done. Yeah. During these uh, therapeutic sessions and all that stuff, this this needed to to come out. Yeah. So I don't know, man. People saying this is not a Metallica record. Well, okay, maybe you should uh, name this uh, album not Metallica and Anger. Maybe you should call it uh, Four Guys in a Room Banging the Instruments. I don't know. It's a, it's a music is an outlet of emotions, and this is certainly what it is. Yeah, and that's why they kept it raw, you know, in the production and the mix and everything, but. You know, and I think another reason why maybe we don't go back to this album as much as we should is because they've got so many other good albums. Like, right? You know, they've got so much good music. So this one easily gets left right in the background. You know, so uh, that could yeah. be part of it as well. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jörg. Please, everyone, go thank and you, follow man. Riff Madness on Instagram. Are you on TikTok oh, as well? Yeah. Uh, I do, but not so active. Not so active. Mainly the um, uh, my, main, my main my main stuff is still Instagram, and uh, still enjoy it as much as I do before. So yeah, man, I love your videos. You know, like thank you. Um, you obviously put a lot of work into them, and um, you know, you can tell you just enjoy what you're doing, and um, I really appreciate that. You know, as soon as I turn a camera on, I sort of start to fumble a little bit and then I get turned off doing it. But, um, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, no. So, thank you for all your videos. And, oh, thank um, you. Appreciate Thank it. you for coming on the, the podcast again. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you once again about Metallica. Likewise, man. And, uh, Likewise. Big thank you to Maybe Metallica. Maybe next time we can talk about Metallica. Yeah, absolutely. Uh you know, there's plenty of other good music out there, but obviously Metallica is one of our favorites. But yeah, we could talk about well, something else. We can <laughs> we could talk about it because I went to see Patera here in Stuttgart. Oh, really? <laughs> oh <laughs> I did. Oh man. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I'm hoping uh, they they make it down down here as well. So they've got a pretty well. Both bands got a big fan base down here, so I'm pretty confident they'll make it down eventually. So. Well, uh, yeah, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Jörg. Nice to talk to you again. Thank you. And, Thank you. Uh, hope you uh, have all enjoyed this episode. Go and check out Sananga. Go and check out the Doco, some kind of monster. And if you've got the original Sananga CD, don't forget there's that DVD on the back, which I'm going to go and grab out myself and check out tomorrow. So thanks for tuning in, everyone, and uh, have a great day. Talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you.